before we do that because then they're going to go, oh, it's a bunch of podcast guys, and then they go... Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report. So, Supergirl gets a movie, Luke Skywalker may not be a Force ghost, James Gunn may not be fired, we're not entirely sure, but we have tons of stuff to talk about. My name's Drew, I'm your host, along with me as always is my brother Peter. It's morphin' time. <laughs> and our producer, Ryan. Hey guys. Okay, so before we get into news, because we have tons of stuff to cover, did you watch anything this week? Uh, nothing really new, just more Castle Rock, and it's getting intense. Like, it's oh. good, it's like a really slow burn show, but it's getting really good, so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, anything special? Still watching, uh, Sharp Objects and Shit's Creek. Yeah, I keep hearing Shit's Creek, and here's what's funny about Shit's <laughs> Creek, is everyone who recommends it to me, they kind of try and explain the show, and I like Catherine O'Hara, and I like Eugene Levy, and like everything people are telling me is great. And then what happens is someone goes, my mom loves it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what demographic this yeah. is for, and it kind of scares me to watch it. I guess I'm going to have to give it a sh- go because you're telling me you're watching it. So um, how's Sharp Object so far? Really good. Amy Adams keeps it real. <laughs> Short and to the point, I guess. <laughs> um, so I watched... I'm going to throw this out to you. I watched a movie called Happy Death Day this week. Oh, I've seen that. You yeah. have? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically it's basically Groundhog Day as a horror movie. <laughs> this girl gets yeah. murdered on her birthday, but then she wakes up, and it's her birthday again, and she's mm-hmm. basically reliving the day, and she has to solve her own murder to stop the time loop. Yep. Uh, what I thought was really interesting about this is something that they didn't do in Groundhog Day was she got this I thought was really clever she has these (coughs) residual effects throughout the movie so in the murder if she got stabbed in the side she wakes up and her side hurts yeah or if she got hit in the head with a baseball bat she wakes up and she's got a horrible headache (laughs) or it's just it's this progressive thing I just thought that was really clever of them the movie is not a horror movie really like, it's PG-13, so they're clearly they're trying to get the bigger audience, mm-hmm. but every time there's a piece of violence, the camera cuts away and she wakes up. So you see the knife coming, and then she wakes up, because she died. Or the baseball bats come into her head, and she died. Or the car blows up, and she dies. Or there's all these different yeah. variants. There's no, really no actual violence or blood in the movie. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really interesting, but... I, it was a good. It was a fun sit for what it was. It. I mean, it's no. It's not perfect at all. But <laughs> the idea of the time loop and whatnot with the. I. I really like Groundhog Day. So. <laughs> for sure. Is it new or old? Newer. Last last two or three years. Uh, Twenty seventeen, I think, it was the date on it. I just it caught my mm-hmm. attention when I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, that's interesting, and waited for it to be a free watch. So. Yeah, yeah. it's it's definitely a good free watch. It's a fun movie. My only problem with it is around the time that came out, there's two or three other movies that were also time loop movies. So there was one called, uh, 
I don't remember what it was, but it was like these teenage girls going to a party and they get in a car accident and then the day repeats. It's very, very similar to Happy Death Day, but that was one of them. And then there's also Naked. I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's I no. think it's a Netflix original and it's basically Marlon Wayans wakes up in an elevator completely naked and he's about to meet his soon-to-be father-in-law or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. And it keeps repeating over and over again until he can solve that, so... No. Yeah, Happy Death Day, it's fun. Not the most <laughs> original thing. I saw it shortly after it came out on video. I don't remember a ton from it, so there's something to say from that. But yeah, I thought it was a fun well, watch overall. I'll tell you this. when There's a scene where she's explaining what's going on to a friend, and I thought, and I'm listening to this conversation, and I'll tell you this. If one of you starts going through a time loop, I'll tell you right now, come find me and say <laughs> Groundhog Day. You won't have to explain anything. <laughs> I will understand that you're going through a time loop, and I'll do what I can to help. And when you wake up and come back in, when you start the loop over, again, say Groundhog Day, and we'll go from there. <laughs> nice. You choose that you as a... It, it was on. It was on On Demand. I just kind of was looking for something to... I had a free evening, and I was like, what's on right now? And it was a good, mm. it was a good time. Uh Something else that I thought was really interesting is I have a friend of mine, this is a sad note but happy in the ending, I have a friend of mine who got into a really bad accident, like car slash scooter, I'm not really sure of all the details, but she got into an accident, and everything's okay, she's fine, whatever, but she's been on a little bit of bed rest, and I she likes to borrow movies from me every now and then, and I told her, I said, hey, since you're on your bed rest, if you need to borrow a movie or two, let me know, and... She hit me up on the I've never watched the Marvel movies. Like nice. She's I, she's seen Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's kind of about it. She's never really watched them. So she hit me up and said, "What is the proper order to watch these in true <laughs> full Marvel succession?" So we had a big talk about how to watch them and the order and make sure mm -hmm. she watches the bonus scenes and so on. I've had a lot of fun having conversations with her and her sister about watching the Marvel films. Mm -hmm. But I gotta say, one of the coolest parts about this is, I didn't watch the movies with them, but hearing about them, it was like I was watching the movies through their nice. eyes, and it was just, it was just a lot of fun, and you don't get that a lot in life, and <coughs> every now and then something like that comes up, so I wanted to bring it up and just say that was really cool to do. I don't know if you guys have experienced anything like that, like when my son watches like Star Wars for the first time, I'm kind of watching mm -hmm. him more than I'm watching the movie, there's moments where he could care less about Star Wars, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, what was your friend's review like? Are they were they enjoying the Marvel Cinematic oh, Universe? Oh yes, very much so. And getting to a level of obsession and wanting to go look up stuff and read things and find <laughs> oh, out more about great. the characters. But uh, one of them is a little bit more concerned about finding out spoilers for Infinity War. Okay. Um, because they just got to the end, so they just watched Thor Ragnarok. Uh, the next movie that they're gonna watch because we moved. We, moved, we had a big talk about where Black Panther should go in the timeline because Black Panther takes place a week after Civil War. Mm -hmm. And the bonus scene in Thor Ragnarok is the opening of uh, Infinity, Infinity War. War. So I said what's really what you should do is put Black Panther kind of before Thor Ragnarok and then watch Thor Ragnarok into Infinity War. I just yeah. thought it made more sense. So they're done. They've watched all... 19 movies infinity war is the next one to watch and it comes out next week on blu-ray so yeah. it's really cool because uh one of my biggest frustrations with marvel is just waiting for infinity war like it 
I had to wait eight years for them to finally get to Thanos, pretty much. But if you binge it like that, I bet it's just there's so much less anticipation in kind of a good way. You can just watch through it and get to the good stuff right away. So that's absolutely. And it was really cool to have conversations with them about seeing the Easter eggs and seeing Mm -hmm. the connections and going, wait, what's that? And then later on making a connection to another movie and going backwards and like, Oh wait, that was that. And Oh, there's that Senator (laughs) that that we thought was a, we thought was a bit of a douche earlier, and then he turns out he really is because he's a part of Hydra, and you know yeah. what I mean. So, and then they probably notice just so many more details that a lot of people just miss, you know. Exactly, and then they were. It was funny because they had seen Guardians, and like we really don't see a lot of the connection with Guardians yet. I'm like, oh, it's coming, like, and they haven't seen Infinity War, so yeah. I'm excited to get their review of Infinity War. So by the time they hear this, yeah. <laughs> so did they recognize? Uh, do you know if they recognize Thanos? in the post-credit scene in the first Avengers movie? I don't think... They might have. seeing Guardians? They might have, and they might not have, but I guarantee they did this go-through. Okay. You know, once they got... Because once you get from Avengers 1 seeing Thanos for the first time, Guardian seeing Thanos fully in Guardians, Mm -hmm. and then you get to... The next time you get to see Thanos after Guardians is at the end of Avengers 2 when he grabs the Infinity Gauntlet for the Mm -hmm. first time, and then you don't see him again. For like almost eight movies, so <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've seen any of those. You need to get on, <laughs> <laughs> so we can get our review next week about Marvel. Yeah, so ne- for the next week, Ryan's going to try and watch all it. It's well, and all in all, it'll be twenty-two. Better <laughs> <laughs> get started. Yeah. Uh, so no, that was good. So I wanted to just chat about that. So we ready to talk some news? Sounds good. All right. So. Let's talk DC news real quick because DC, I remember we had uh, a conversation about the slate of the DC films. Yes. And Marvel's being quiet right now, so mm-hmm. let's talk DC. Supergirl's getting a movie. Awesome. Um, this is great. I have always been a Supergirl fan from the comic books to the television show. In the CW world, Supergirl right now is my favorite of the four shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited for this. Your take on Supergirl, because you're the big Superman fan between the two of us. Oh, yeah. Um, I like Supergirl a lot. Uh, I'm kind of concerned people are going to be... I'm worried about fan backlash with people thinking, you know, why aren't they casting Melissa Benoist when they actually do the Supergirl movie? But I'm curious who they're going to cast as her. But, yeah, I mean... So the casting of Supergirl is going to be interesting, and I feel the internet's going to explode about hatred when they choose not to go with Melissa Benoist. <laughs> yeah. The, they did this with Flash. Grant Gustin plays Flash on the show, and then the way they casted Ezra Miller for the Flash for the Justice League, the internet kind of went you know, apeshit, and they wanted Grant Gustin to play the Flash. I'm okay with the movies not being the same as the TV shows. And when I we agree. saw Ezra Miller's Flash, I kind of liked it. He just did something different. I'm totally okay with it. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're irritated that they cast Ezra Miller to the full, as the Flash, think about this. If you watch the show The Flash, you know that they've created a multiverse. Mm-hmm. So maybe down the road the DC movies <laughs> and the DC television shows oh, will man. cross paths and we can have two Flashes. So it's That'd not be... unheard of. But that'd be mind blowing. I always, I always find it confusing when people complain about the DC movies being so dark and I'm sitting there going, there's a really light, fun version of this universe on TV right now. You're not watching it. So like keep (laughs) complaining about the movie, but you still have both. So I just always thought that was kind of weird. Um, right. And I, in my opinion, you can only benefit more from having multiple 
versions. So now there's going to be a movie Supergirl and a TV show Supergirl. They're both probably going to be handled in much different tones, but that's awesome because we get more cool stuff. You still get to pick your favorite and enjoy both. So Now, for me, in terms of reading Supergirl versus Superman and stuff, I have always kind of argued quietly to myself that Supergirl is more powerful than Superman. Yeah, that could make that could make sense. And the only Definitely. reason I say that, and I'm going to bring this up because you're a Superman, you're a huge Superman yes. fan. So, um, quick conversation on this: Superman is a baby. He comes to Earth. Mm-hmm. He gets his powers from the yellow sun that the Earth is near. Yeah, or just that kind of is what manifests his powers. Yes, he grows up learning how to control his powers and then becomes Superman. Sure, right. Supergirl is the cousin of Superman who was sent to Earth in the same catastrophe that destroyed Krypton. Supergirl then doesn't get to Earth in the time that Superman does. Mm -hmm. And since you aged slower in space, and she's stuck out in space for 30-some years, by the time she gets to Earth, she's still a teenager. But she's been soaking up these solar rays and solar radiation and so forth. And then she finally lands on Earth, and then she gets the shock of the the, the yellow sun from here. But she has no control over her powers. So her her level of learning how to control her powers is completely different. Yes. So I like to argue that she's more powerful but unchecked. And that's yeah. why it appears the other way around. No, I definitely agree with those points and I think she very well could be. Like I'm my favorite superhero is gonna be Superman, hands down, no matter what, but I'm okay with there's other characters more powerful than him because it's a lot to do with his character, which is why I like him. But, yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree with those points. I think you raise really good points. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's the unchecked power. And the only thing I was going to argue against you was that Superman landed on Earth first so he would have more time to soak up the sun's energy but i see you thought that through that she's in space getting like unfiltered <laughs> like sun she, energy she passes a star and she gets this unfiltered then she passes another star and she gets unfiltered like mm-hmm. the color unless she is passing red suns too that's that's true yeah. but you know she's in cryosleep and she's passing this stuff so i just i always thought that's one of the reasons that's yeah, possible yeah i don't know what dc comics official answer to this conundrum is but maybe one of these days we'll get to ask dan <laughs> dido or you know, Jeff yeah. Johns or something like that. And, and they'll just they make think. up some off-the-cuff answer that'll then be canon just because they said and it. I, and I'm okay with that. That happened okay. with Star Wars. George Lucas... Um, I he, think that's probably happened a lot with Star Wars, actually. Well, keep going. Star Wars Celebration 5, George Lucas had an interview with Jon Stewart from The Daily Show. He was moderating the George Lucas panel. Mm-hmm. And he asked him directly what planet Obi-Wan Kenobi comes from. And George sat there for the mo- for a moment. John Stewart said, "It's really funny if you go back and try yeah. and watch the video." John Stewart goes, "Well, don't make it up right now." <laughs> George laughed and he goes, "No, he comes from the planet Stu-John. <laughs> and there was a big laugh from the audience because he clearly took John Stewart's name mm-hmm. and flipped it and created nice. a planet. The problem is, is George Lucas. I don't think under fully understood the power of his own voice, and as soon as he said it. It's officially canon. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi came from the planet of Stu John. I love it. <laughs> and that kind of, I think mm-hmm. that stays and that's the end of the discussion. So That's great. George said it, it became canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Birds of Prey. Okay. That was a DC movie that was on the slate of films that yes. was kind of had a big we question. We talked about there. it last week because um, uh, David Ayer was meeting up with uh, Paul Dini. Paul Dini, right. And they announced their villain this week that it's going to be the Black Mask. Awesome. Which is awesome, but it kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. 
the Joker was always one of those big DC villains that uh, it's, it's he's pure chaos, and you never really know what the Joker's going to do. Mm-hmm. But the Black Mask, if you read anything with the Black Mask, he's one of those DC villains that... He, he's a gangster, I guess you could say, at heart. Like, he really is just a gangster. Yeah. But... And he wears a mask that looks like a skull. So he's the black mask. Like, it's a black skull-like nice. mask that goes mm-hmm. over his head. And apparently the mask manifests uh, mind control. Okay. I've, I don't really know if I've read anything where he's had mind control. But he's one of, like, the darker villains in terms of tone. Like, he is known for some of the big, like gang war stuff that happens in Gotham City and he kidnapped and tortured to death one of the Batgirls. Um, it's like really grisly. He always has like the darkest grisly type serial killer stuff. So he's always been one of those villains that's kind of made my skin crawl when I read him. That's cool. So, um, I'm I'm not super familiar with Black Mask so I'm looking up pictures and he looks really crazy and like he'll be frightening and Right. He, After um, seeing Suicide Squad and some of David Ayer's other movies, I feel like he could definitely do this character justice. And uh, my favorite villains are the scary ones that you just can't... Scary and don't listen to reason is, like, my kind of villain. So yeah. this all makes me... Yeah, he's excited. one of those characters that if he's holding a hostage with a gun to their head, he won't hesitate. And when the mm-hmm. cop, you know, when the police are like, hey, you know, put the gun down, he'll still shoot and then take out the cop with him. For sure. You know? So he's... I think he's a great villain... I'm really interested to see where they go with this. Awesome. So, especially since it's Birds of Prey and Batgirl could be in it, it scares me a little bit that Batgirl could get captured and tortured. Is, so, <laughs> is he typically a Batman villain or Batgirl? He, or he appears a lot in the Batman villains. Okay. Uh, in the rogues gallery, I guess you could say. Okay. Uh, that's where I see most of the stuff. And then, you know, the offshoots like, you know, Nightwing and whatnot. But uh, he is in a couple of the um, uh, the animated films, the DC animated movies. So, nice. Yeah, and then Batwoman, the CW show. <laughs> yes, they that casting announcement has just exploded on the internet. <laughs> um, Ruby Rose will be playing Batwoman for CW. Yes, which is great. And if you wonder where do I know Ruby Rose as an actress, she was on Orange Is the New Black. She is in John Wick 2. Mm-hmm. She's in the new movie The Meg, which opens this week, which I'm going to do my best to see before next week's episode <laughs> so I can give you a review because I really want to see... Uh, I really dig Shark Attack movies. <laughs> it's like we're on a roll where every summer they've got one, at least one big summer attack or shark attack movie now, so I think that's a cool trend going. Right. Like there was The Shallows, then there was 47 Meters Down. Now I never got, like, I didn't get to see 47 Meters Down. Okay, did you like The Shallows? I did. Okay, so this is like, 47 Meters Down is kind of like Happy Death Day where the premise isn't that original. It's just The Shallows Underwater but they turn everything up a notch, and it's really cool. Um, it's kind of filmed the way a gothic horror movie would be filmed. It's just underwater. But they still have like the same like typical horror jump scares in there and stuff. Oh, it's right really on. fun. Uh, they also play a lot in the movie with uh, the idea of the bends. And, and Mandy like, Moore is in that, right? Yes. So like they play a lot in the movie with the bends. I know this is a total tangent, but... 47 movie, Meters Down was really fun, but they play a lot in the movie with the idea of the bends and uh, your mind getting messed up with because of the pressure underwater, and they do some cool stuff with that, too. Interesting. So, yeah. I'd definitely recommend watching it. Not the most someone original told me, thing, Someone but... told me it's not really realistic because sharks actually don't go that deep. 
but that's okay with me. I are deep water sharks. <laughs> I know. So I don't know. Like, I really don't know what to say about that. And right. The thing I look at is if you're going to break the laws of physics in a movie, or if you're going to do something unrealistic in a movie, you could give me the worst line of dialogue <laughs> or the worst visual ever on screen mm-hmm. that explains what I'm seeing, <laughs> and I will yeah. suspend disbelief. Uh, Ryan and I That's brought fair. this came up in a conversation earlier today. Actually, we were talking about Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, where everyone whines and moans about the Indiana Jones um, and the fridge, the nuke the fridge yes. scene, where he climbs in the lead line fridge and the nuclear bomb goes off and he survives. Yes. So a lot of people have a problem with that. Again, the lead lining on the fridge is probably not thick enough to keep him alive mm-hmm. from the nuclear yes, blast. Yes. However. They made a point to show that the fridge is lead-lined, and immediately after, he got a radiation scrub-down. So they took took just these small moments to just give me an explanation, I'll let it go. Have you ever... So I think I've heard this being proven wrong, but uh, there's the fan theory that because Indiana Jones drank from the Holy Grail, that he's now immortal, so that explosion wouldn't have hurt him anyways that's um, how he survived well you can say that all you want but if you pay real close attention to the last crusade the immortality only works if you stay in the cave on the other side of the seal sweet <laughs> <laughs> the reason that night the reason the the grail night the one who found the holy grail was still in the cave mm-hmm. alive is because he never left the cave he has to stay there drinking from the water otherwise you fair know, enough he, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's so. why I brought it up because I wanted you to <laughs> prove me wrong. But I like it. So yeah, watch the movie; it's all there. And that's the thing. I f- every time I talk movies with people, I feel that so many people are not paying attention. Put down your phones, yes, and pay attention. Like there's lines of dialogue. A lot of times, it's all there. It's either a visual cue or it's a dialogue cue, but everything <laughs> is usually explained. Mm-hmm. So you know, when you come away and say, "Oh, it was unrealistic," like, do you remember Spider-Man Two? Yes. Okay, I went and saw Spider-Man 2, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2. I went and we went and saw that in the theater. Doc Ock's the villain. Everyone walks out. We're all fired up. This is a great movie. And then my cousin is standing there in the lobby, and he's shaking his head as I'm walking up. I'm like, what? He's like, I didn't like it. I thought it was too unrealistic. <laughs> First off, you just watched a comic book movie. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, what? <laughs> I never really got a full explanation from him, but <laughs> that's pretty. Great. that's fine. So, uh, back to Ruby Rose, right? Back to Ruby Rose, yeah. That was a crazy tangent, but hey, that's what this is all about, right? No, I just, I'm really excited. It's a perfect casting, and I went, mm-hmm. I haven't seen John Wick 2, but I did look up a clip of the of a fight scene from the movie with her. I'm, this is awesome, mm-hmm. so good for them. She seems really excited. She's had a couple tweets that, you know, about how, how she's grateful for getting the role, and she's excited yeah. about it, so. This is a weird, um, this is a very weird thing to me, because I feel like, Ruby Rose is a good actress. She's kind of worked her way up till to now she's like starring in movies and stuff like that. I don't understand why there's fan backlash about it, but there's still people out there complaining about it, and I'm just so confused. Like I think she's gonna pull it off with flying colors, you know. I here's one of the things I wonder about the fan backlash, and we've talked about the negativity on the show on the internet, is that I think it's only like a handful of really angry people that just <laughs> want to complain and stir up a fight. Mm-hmm. I really think that's all it is. I think the real fans, I mean, you can see the CW, 
Arrow is on it. Arrow is about to start its seventh season, mm-hmm. and that's the show that started all of the CW superhero yeah. stuff. You can say Smallville did, and I agree. Smallville probably <laughs> had it. Smallville definitely linked into them doing Arrow, mm-hmm. but the Arrowverse, the shared universe amongst all these shows, began in all of it. It's getting its seventh season, and CW said there's no intent of closing any of them. They have no intent in stopping any of them. Awesome. They're you know they're doing mm-hmm. the Lord's work, man. Yeah. Like. <laughs> For sure. Like, I sit down every week, and I'm like, sweet, it's Supergirl tonight. Hey, it's Flash tomorrow night. Hey, it's Arrow. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I can't wait to add Batwoman to the list. So, That's great. So I mentioned Luke Skywalker might not be a Force ghost. Okay, yes. Um, I've heard briefly about this. Mark Hamill's obviously cast in Episode Nine. Yes. But, yeah, what capacity that's in, we don't know. What exactly was said that leads people <laughs> to believe he might not be a Force ghost? So... I was listening to another podcast, and this came up, and then they talked about it a little bit, and then I read an article, and my brain went, my brain started, like, putting pieces together, and I really had to, like, discuss this with you guys and see what you think. So, here's the thing. At the end of The Last Jedi, Luke, spoilers, by the way, if you haven't seen it, everyone in the world, I think, has seen this by now, but (laughs) at the end of The Last Jedi, Luke Skywalker dies. Okay, he does his force projection, yes. and then he dies no differently than Obi-Wan and Yoda and fades off, and his cloak floats away into the breeze. And you're like, oh, Luke became one with the force, and now in episode 9, if you didn't think Mark Hamill was coming back, why would we kill one of the most popular characters if we didn't want him coming back as a force ghost? So when they announced him as a cast member, we all were like, great, he's going to come back as a yeah. force ghost and help Rey be the Jedi she needs to be. And then someone brought this up. Luke Skywalker won't be coming back as a Force ghost. By the way, this is all theory and potential <laughs> spoiler, so you've been warned. <laughs> and we're so far out from Episode Nine, and it's just speculation, and that's the whole fun of this anyway, so who cares. Luke won't be coming back as a Force ghost. He'll be coming back in the flesh as Luke Skywalker. Okay. As a true and the as a as, as the first force resurrection and the the idea Mm. behind this is that if you go back if you look at this in chronological order not release order but chronological order episode two when anakin killed the sand people in the desert the first thing we realized was qui-gon had a line of dialogue qui-gon died in episode one he had a line of dialogue in episode two and Yoda was meditating and got a glimpse of Anakin slaughtering the Sand People. Mm. And you hear Qui-Gon say, Anakin, no. Okay. And Yoda's ears perk up, but he doesn't really react. It's like he doesn't know what he heard. And they kind of glaze over it, right? Then, in episode three, at the end, Yoda says to Obi-Wan at the end of the movie, I found a way to commune with Qui-Gon Jinn. I'm going to teach you how to do this while you're on your solitude at Tatooine. Mm Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan is all excited. Oh, I get to talk to my old master. Then, in episode four, Obi-Wan dies. But at the end of the movie, he comes... He's a, he's a voice. Yes. In episode five, you see Obi-Wan as a force ghost for the first time. But he looks like a ghost. Yes. Then, in episode six, you see Obi-Wan again as a force ghost. He looks like a ghost. You can see through him. But he's very filled out. Like, almost like he's more there than a ghost. Mm-hmm. And then in episode 8, when Luke sees Yoda as a force ghost on Ock 2, Yoda is barely glowing. Yes. Like, he's almost a solid object. He's still glowing like a force ghost. 
So the thinking is, is that Luke died, but because he's technically the next, he, so when you argue the chosen one, Mm -hmm. he, he's Vader's son. Yes. Who is the product of the actual force creating life. Luke would be the first true force resurrection and would come back as a living being. Okay. Which the idea of that is just mind-boggling yeah. that's been basically kept me up all week. <laughs> nice. I've lost sleep over this. Yeah, that'd be it'd be really cool if they do it and they can pull it off in a way that makes sense to the average moviegoer, but I mean, I'd be cool if Luke coming back, and I hey, like the idea of a I trust J.J. Abrams, and if that's something they're going for, that's awesome. <laughs> the one thing, and if I if I ever got a chance to ask George about this, this is a question that I would have for George Lucas, is was that an intent? Was what? The, oh, pro- the, the progression? Was that ever the actual intention to become? Right. Yeah, because the original trilogy was three different directors, so it could have just... It was, th- it was three different directors with technically one master writer. Mm-hmm. And then you have the prequels, which was all George. Exactly. But then yeah. going into these new movies, mm-hmm. did George ever intend to do a full Force resurrection? And in Episode Eight, right before Luke goes out and faces the Jedi, the First Order, and then dies, he says, "You're never really gone." Oh, I like that. Like that's awesome. That's too cool. That's like almost. <laughs> that's almost like chilling. That that would know. be wild, and I think that'd be a way to. I liked The Last Jedi a lot, but it would be a way to win back a lot of fans. It would be a mm-hmm. massive way to win back a lot of fans because every the one thing everyone wanted to see was Luke walk out there with his laser sword and face down the First Order. Yeah. And at the end, we kind of got it. And, you know, I'm in the theater and people are cheering as Luke is walking out to do that. <laughs> and then we didn't really get the fight scene that we wanted, but it was so emotionally satisfying how that played out. You know, but... Without having that Luke, you know, doing crazy force tricks. I mean, could you imagine him coming back as a full force resurrection and then taking down the first order? Yeah. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> so, be like the Matrix. Right. It'd just be astounding. So let's do it. And we know Mark Hamill talked about going into training. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah, he did a lot of training, but we didn't see him do a lot. So what did he do the training for? <laughs> Was it just to lose weight? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. Okay. Let's talk about a big one, All right. and that's James Gunn. Since we're on Disney a little bit, let's chat about let's talk James about Gunn. it. Yeah, I have been honestly avoiding this issue the past few episodes. I have not wanted to talk about it because we talked about negativity on the internet. We've talked about trying to stay away from that. Let's be positive. Let's talk about things we like. So, if you don't know, if you're have your you know, if you've been living under a rock the past few weeks, James Gunn, Ryan apparently did not know about this because he's like, "What do you mean James Gunn got fired? Who is he?" <laughs> <laughs> he asked me before the show, like, "Who's James Gunn?" James Gunn is the direct writer and director of Guardians of the Galaxy. Did he write Both. it? I think he did. Yeah, he at least I'm penned the script. Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. So he did the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And Disney has just recently fired him from. Marvel Studios, and he is no longer the director of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Mm -hmm. So, basically what happened was, in the wake of all the sexual scandals going on in Hollywood, and the Me Too movement, and everyone really scrutinizing, and you could make any claim against anybody, and basically ruin their career. You know, I could say, hey, this person looked at me weird, and suddenly their career's ruined, because then they gotta go and do an investigation. It's getting, it's getting to that point. Mm Mm-hmm. James Gunn, long before 
he was working on Guardians of the Galaxy, sent out some very dark, humorous tweets in response to criticism. So he goes on Twitter and made some very sexual, dark... And he was they were all meant to be jokes, according to him. They were not meant to actually anger anyone. But if you read them, you can see how they're offensive. But if you read them, it's very clear that they're jokes. Yeah. And that's... And if you watch any of his movies prior to doing Guardians of the Galaxy, like Slither, um, for example, like... And uh, Super and some of the other things he's done with, like, Nathan Fillion and Rain Wilson... He's got some really dark humor. Yeah, it's he, very understandable what he was doing. He he came out of uh, trauma films, which is you know that's like uh, the Toxic Adve- Avenger, for example, is their biggest film they've ever done. But their films are just filled with dark humor and black humor and just ridiculous sort of concepts like that. Right. That I mean, like in Super, jokes. there's a scene where Nathan was it Nathan Fillion? No, it's Rain Wilson has a visit from God and God actually like opens up his skull and like touches his brain with his finger <laughs> and then closes up his skull and then Rain Wilson has that moment of oh I just got my you know epiphany from God like it's <laughs> weird stuff like that so when you read these tweets it's very clear that he was being dark and kind of insulting or whatever but at the same time it's very clear that they were jokes mm. once he got hired to do Guardians of the Galaxy and he said this in an interview all that stuff stopped yeah. And if you go back and check his Twitter feed and stuff, that is true. All that stuff stopped. He realized he was working for a company that that stuff was not allowed, and he didn't want that to be an issue. Well, it all came out, and now he got fired. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's follow up with the fact that now uh, the Guardians cast is saying that they won't do the movie without him. Dave Batista, who plays Drax, has decided to quit if James Gunn <laughs> or his script is not being used. And Warner Brothers and other studios are now looking into James Gunn saying, we'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> so, For sure. So everything's getting crazy, and I really don't know what to say about it. I don't know what my thoughts on this are. I've heard, I've read that they're still planning on using James Gunn's script. He's just not going to be directing. And Warner Brothers has directly said, we can't make a play on James Gunn until, his, until the Disney thing is officially done and finite. Right. So, I don't... What do you think, man? I don't... Uh, my thoughts are... Like, Disney has the right to fire the, fire him if they want. Uh, that's their choice. They are setting a precedent, so that could lead to a lot of disasters if they, they have to start firing all their directors or people who work for them. But uh, kind of looking at it, I just wish that Disney did their research before hiring him... Disney, like they should, I wish they would have read through his Twitter and decided, is this a guy we want to hire? Yes or no. And say no, if you know, he's not putting out the image they like. Also, I wish that I even more so wish that James Gunn would have just done more of a CYA thing where he deleted all of his old tweets once he started working for Disney. And this would have never came up if he deleted it before. But regardless I love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I'm looking forward to the next one. Uh, a lot of people are assuming it might be Taika Waititi directing, who did Thor Ragnarok. He did a great job on that movie, so I'd love to see him take it on. I think it'd be cool to see James Gunn work for Warner Brothers. That could be interesting. I a lot of people are wanting him to do Suicide Squad 2. I thought it'd be cool if he did Justice League Dark, which is all the 
horror-based characters. The magic users, Constantine, Zatanna, Swamp Thing. Exactly, Dead Man. Yeah, Yeah. that is totally James Gunn's style. So, you know, and Del Toro is supposed to do Justice League Dark, but Mm -hmm. that kind of fizzled away. So, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. So, James Gunn, we're fans, if you're listening. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what to say about it, so good luck, and we'll keep you guys posted as we hear things. (laughs) For sure. Okay, I want to talk about Oscars real quick. We're running a little longer on news than I wanted, but that's okay. It's a big. Um, it's surprisingly a big news week. So it's surprisingly yeah. <laughs> a big news week, and I don't mind having a longer than normal episode because we want to shoot for these to be like an hour ish. But you know who you know if we go a little bit long, that's no big deal. So the Oscars. I'm a big Oscars fan. A lot of people like make fun of me because I like to have an Oscar party every year and people come over and viewing and stuff. And I play games and it's just fun for me because I'm so into movies and I really like the industry and I support the industry. Mm-hmm. I want all the movies to be great. So the only disappointment is, is I've always wanted the Oscars to acknowledge a little bit more of the science fiction genre or the adventure genre or maybe create a category for character actors. For example, if you're playing a fictional character... There should be a category for best actor playing a fictional character. If you're playing a realistic person, like Gary Oldman wins the Oscar for Darkest Hour for playing Winston Churchill. Awesome. But it's a real person. Johnny Depp plays Jack Sparrow, who's a fictional character, and Johnny Depp was amazing. Right. So the question is, is you know, who was better? Well, you have technically two different categories. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted the Oscars to kind of play into that a little bit because that's like the top tier of all the awards. Yeah, it's like uh, best screenplay versus best adaptation film. Absolutely. It's, you know, one you're trying to emulate something else, one you're trying to create something else out of the blue. Yeah, like so similar... best screenplay is best original piece or best yeah. original screenplay, and then you have adaptation is I took a comic book and made a movie or I took a novel and made a movie. Yeah. That's basically how it is. So here we are with the Oscars making this announcement a couple days ago that they're adding a category to the award show, and it is Outstanding Achievement in Popular Film is the is the award category. So when I read the blurb on this, there's really no way to explain how they're going to figure this out because what's popular film? It's basically blockbuster movies. Yes. It's basically almost anything that hits from the months of May to October, and then after that, you're an Oscar push season. If you think about it, when the Oscars hits and they go, hey, here's the nominees, for the most part, most people don't know these movies and they've never heard of them. (laughs) But when you say, when you look at the technical awards, it's always the superhero movies and the Transformers movies and the big blockbuster stuff. And you're just like, oh yeah, sound editing, sound mixing. Yeah, Star Wars, that's got to win that. Mm -hmm. You want those movies to succeed because we all go see those movies. So if you're going to do a best, if you're going to do a best achievement in popular film, are we looking at box office dollars? Is that how you get a nomination? Because if that's going to win the... If the box office dollars alone are the key to winning this award, Infinity War has it, period. <laughs> there is no movie that has made more money than Infinity War, nor will there be this year. Right. <laughs> so... I feel like it could be... I feel like for it to be a popular film, it might have to reach a certain percent like a certain amount of box out box dollars. office dollars um however i feel like the academy is still going to have uh i think i think that i think the, I think the academy is smart enough to go 
based on box office dollars, this is clearly the most popular X number of movies. So mm-hmm. let's say it's five movie category. These are clearly the best, the most popular of the movies. Mm-hmm. Now let's look at them as films and choose which one really was the best in terms of filmmaking, script writing, acting, production, so on. And yes. I think the Academy's smart enough to do that. With that being said, I would love to take an episode of our show, go back and look at, say, 2005 to current, or 2008 to current, and make it the last 10 years and see what the movies are. Yeah. If we go, if we were to go back 10 years and look at them, I guarantee Dark Knight won that award yes, in 2008. Sure. I guarantee in 2015, Star Wars probably won that award. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you could probably go back and we could probably do our own Oscar bidding and look at those movies and kind of create a list of what we think that award would have been for the past 10 yeah. years. Just based on that. Not every Marvel movie is raking in the billions of dollars that Infinity War did. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Avengers 1, for sure, would have taken that award. Yeah. You know, it's it, you have to kind of look at it as filmmaking quality on top of, you know, the box office dollars. And I'm not entirely sure what the parameters of this award are, but... Yeah, I'm also interested in uh, kind of why they're going adding this award and I think it's probably mostly just damage control I think uh I've heard a lot about the Oscars not being watched as much this year just because of Hollywood scandals etc I was reading that too and I was reading it because people people in general just aren't watching it the ratings have been way down and they were like well how do we get people to watch well why don't you include some stuff people actually watch I think it's a good point because there is there there this will be the one movie that everybody will probably have seen every film in, and it's I mean I remember as a kid uh, Titanic winning Best Picture. Well, Titanic was the biggest movie that year. Everybody saw it, but yeah. then most of the time these Best Picture nominees are a lot of these art house films that are really good, but it's just not as wide yeah. reaching. And I try so. and watch as many of the I try and watch as many of the Best Picture nominees as I can, but like. Uh, District 9 got nominated for Best Picture one year. And it I was did. so excited. The year it came out, I was so excited that it got nominated for Best Picture because it's a science fiction movie and they don't normally, you know, nominate things. Yes. And as far as I'm concerned, if you got a nomination as Best Picture, you are a Best Picture. The Academy has to choose one because it's an award show. Mm-hmm. But anyone on that list is a Best Picture of the Year, period. Um, Ex Machina in 2015 (laughs) was the best picture. And in my opinion, that kind of got snubbed because I truly believe that is the best movie of 2015. If you haven't seen it, Mm -hmm. you should run to find a Blu-ray copy of that movie and watch it. It's so amazing. I haven't watched it, but it is on Netflix right now, so you can check it out. In the month oh, it of is August okay. I own it, so <laughs> like it's it's so amazing, and it's mm-hmm. and it's mind blowing. And the idea of what happens next, you're gonna get to the end of the movie, and you think to yourself, "Well, what happens next?" And it yeah. doesn't matter because the idea of what is going on after the movie ends is terrifying. I think the and, best movies always have that effect on you too. So right, exactly. That's so and the way you say that. In the in the thinking about the popular film and what everyone saw, like everyone saw Titanic, great. Everyone saw Infinity War. If you look at that box office dollars, exactly. With that said, this category is the actual real best picture. You can say this art house film is the best picture of the year all you want, but in all seriousness, with the <laughs> majority of the population on this planet, the real best picture is the one that wins the yes and achievement and, and that's popular fair. film. 
you know. So that to me right now, that's the category. I mean, Return of the King won Best Picture, but yeah, I think everyone another. knew Lord of the Rings was going to get it at, when the trilogy was done. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's good points. It's kind of a cool way for... I always f- felt like the Golden Globes, for example, were much more representative of movies that the average populace actually cares about, and I kind of feel like this might be Oscar's way of throwing their hat in that ring and, you know, giving a right. voice to everybody else, so... Yeah. Well, hey, man, there's one more piece of news we wanted <laughs> to talk to. It was your idea. You know a little yes. bit more about it than I do, so fire away. Oh, it's pretty much uh, Hasbro recently... Uh, Hasbro recently bought the rights for Power Rangers, and it's really just a pretty quick announcement that they are planning a follow-up, as it's phrased, to the 2017 Power Rangers movie. Uh, Have either of you seen this movie? I have not. I meant to watch it. So there's a new channel now called (coughs) Epics, and it was free one weekend, and the only time I had was to, like, I had time to watch watch one movie off of it, and I chose to watch Transformers, (laughs) which... Just because I was curious, it was okay. really good. But Power Rangers was next on my list, and I just didn't have time to squeeze it. Watch in, so. it, and just watch it as like a superhero movie on its own. It's really good, and this movie has a lot of heart. Um, I really enjoyed the 2017 Power Rangers. It has its flaws, but I'm just really All excited. All movies have its yes. flaws. I'm very excited for uh, a sequel. And, and Hasbro phrased it as a follow-up. If that means a reboot, I'm going to be kind of disappointed because they had a good thing going. They had really good actors for everybody. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they teased the Green Ranger coming into the next movie, so oh, I'm really curious how they're going to do that. The you were when we were kids, you were one. You were more into Power Rangers than I was. Yes. I was a little too old when it hit. However, Power Rangers is very much like Voltron. And I grew up on old school Voltron yes. when I was younger. Ryan, you and I are the same age, so you probably remember Voltron. So I would catch Power Rangers here and there, and there were things that I was like, oh, that's really cool that they're doing that. Exactly. And, you know, so I never got into it as a Power Rangers kid, but yeah. and I you totally were just, understand. You were just too old for that. Yeah, I and think, I, but... I wanted... And I wanted to see that new that movie just to, out of sheer curiosity, so I wasn't, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's cool. I'm glad you're excited because, <laughs> like, like I said, I want all these movies to be good. Yeah, for and, sure. And, you know, if, if they're doing good and the fans are liking them, great. Just bring more on because this is the best time to be into this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, nerd certainly. culture, nerd culture in all seriousness, runs this planet. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Well, do you want to get to the list? Sounds good. All right. So this list was my list. It was my pick. So we're moving on to our top five list for the week, everybody. So if you're playing at home, we decided this week was going to be Steven Spielberg directed movies. Um, The reason I say that is because there's movies that he didn't direct. Like it's a common misconception that he directed Back to the Future. He did not. It was Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> Spielberg uh, produced it. So mm-hmm. um, He also produced Transformers. He didn't have anything to do with direction. So uh, Steven Spielberg directed. I have a list. Peter, you have a list. Yeah. Ryan? I do. Yeah, Ryan actually has a list this week, <laughs> so I'm really curious as to see uh, what we got here. So who wants... Um, which one of you two wants to go first? This is my pick, so do you have any honorable mentions, Ryan? Okay, Ryan has no honorable mentions, so we'll skip Ryan for right now. Peter, do you have any? Oh yeah, I, I have a, I have two. Um, my first honorable mention that I'd like to men- <laughs> that I'd like to mention is uh, Hook. Actually, um, Hook's one of my favorite kids movies. Uh, 
it's great cast, uh, really good story. I also really like how it kind of imprinted on the Peter Pan legend certain aspects, like Rufio, for example, is a character that I'm pretty sure was just created for that movie that's kind of left its stamp on pop culture and just Peter Pan in general, so that's really interesting. And I also feel like this movie left a big stamp on a generation of kids, like people my age, a little bit older, some a little bit younger, love this movie and it was a big part of their childhood and things like Rufio, phrases like bangerang, like it became part of the popular uh, mindset and I just really enjoy that. So. Hook Hook had a real special place in my heart for a long time. The problem, <coughs> My problem with Hook and the reason Hook didn't make either of my honorable mentions or my list is that I don't think it ages well. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But I totally agree with you. Like that's, I remember seeing the movie with my cousins. It was like me, one of our, you were too young at the time when the movie came out. Yes. So it was me and one of my, like, all right. I actually so everybody, could tell that story if you want, but Peter and I are brothers, but we have two other brothers. <laughs> so it was me, one of our, one of our other brothers and our two cousins with our aunt, and we went to see the movie, and my cousin Brian spent the whole time going, Hook is cool, like, after the movie. It was, like, almost every five minutes, like, Hook was cool. <laughs> Hook was, like, it was so funny. But, yeah, no, we we fast, we were completely infatuated with that film. Yes. So, um, I totally hear you. Actually, at the time, uh, me and uh, my younger brother actually had to go see Beauty and the Beast while you guys saw Hook, which Beauty and the Beast is an awesome film, and I did enjoy it, but... I was really mad that my mom made me go see Beauty and the Beast instead of Hook at the time because I wanted to see Hook so bad. You know what? So. I don't remember you guys doing that, but that's yeah. all right. <laughs> I love Hook. It uh, made my list. Oh, great. So spoilers. We'll yeah, spoilers. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Nice. Um, my honorable mention is, my first honorable mention is Minority Report. Nice. Um, I absolutely love this movie. The idea of the pre-crime it's I. It made me go look up the book, the Philip K. Dick short story. Um, the The movie itself, I mean, it's basically a cop story, but they are seeing the future, and the idea of like the psychic. You know, Tom Cruise is like trying to get the psychic person who you know sees the vision of the preconceived crime or anything. She'd be like, "Hey, stop!" and then like some balloons would block them so the cop couldn't see them in the crowd. It was just really clever stuff. The future world that they created that everyone lives mm -hmm. in, it's such a mind-blowing story. And like I said, if you... Look, if you tell someone there's a twist in the movie, I always felt that that's a spoiler because now they're looking for a twist. Yeah. The twists in Minority Report, I really don't think, even if I told you there are twists in the movie, I don't think you'd see them coming. <laughs> like, it's so cool how they pieced it together. It's such yeah. a great story. It's such a well-directed movie. So Minority Report was my first honorable mention. I uh, I need to watch it again because I don't remember a lot from it, but I remember loving it a lot. And uh, the world building, as you kind of mentioned, this future world they create is one of the biggest things I'm left with from the movie is just how cool it was as a vision of the future. I'm still so. waiting for that car. <laughs> there's a Lexus. Sure. There's a Lexus in that movie, a red Lexus that Tom Cruise drives, and they said it was a concept car that they used for the movie. And then after the movie's success, Lexus was like, "We're gonna put that car out for real," and it hasn't come out. So <laughs> I also love that movie. It made my list. <laughs> spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sweet. 
All right. Uh, do you have any other honorable mentions? Yes, I actually wanted to mention uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So <laughs> the Indiana Jones movies are super awesome. I'm. We might talk about them later. I wanted to mention Temple of Doom on my list because although it's critically kind of the most divisive Indiana Jones film, I feel, besides excluding Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, growing up as a kid, this movie just captured my imagination. Like, when I was young, I loved this movie more than any of the other ones. Um, Drew knows this because, or he might not remember it, I'm not sure, but... When I was a kid, my brothers would play Indiana Jones, and I would want to play. So it would always be one of them was Indiana Jones, and somebody else was another character, and I was kind of left with Short Round all the time. <laughs> but the thing was, I was really okay with it, because Short Round was my favorite character. I thought he was oh, so great. cool. Um, great. Just things as, as kids, I don't feel bad that yeah. making you be Short Round. <laughs> just, just things they show in the movie, uh, like him driving the car and he's got the wooden blocks tied to his shoes. Like, I thought that was awesome because I wanted to drive a car and this kid who's, you know, like my size is actually doing it. So, um, I think there's so many great parts in the movie. Like if you start chanting like Kalima, like people just know it right away. Like somebody's going to get a heart ripped out of their chest. Of all the, of all the Indiana Jones films, Temple of Doom is... It, that holds a very special place in my heart, and that was actually the other honorable mention of mine as well. So okay, kind of nice. It that's the Indiana Jones movie that I think it was. I think it was the first one I ever saw, mm-hmm. and it's it, it was the one that like I watched the most. Yeah, um, it's also the very first prequel. Mm-hmm. It takes place one year before Raiders, if people don't know that. So, <laughs> second movie, but it takes place a year before the original. Yeah. Uh, that, it's it, it's so good. The the minecar chase, I mentioned that when we did our chase scenes episode. Yeah. There's It seems like there was more action, like more adventure in a general mm-hmm. sense than Raiders had. And Yeah, for sure. So I love that movie. It's on my list. <laughs> Ryan's, Ryan's going to spoil the whole... Ryan's going to spoil great. his whole list early. Well, that's our honorable honorable mentions yeah. that, at that point, so who's All right. going first? Well, <laughs> how about this? Let me catch up here. So Ryan had, we'll go, we'll go back a little bit, because Ryan mentioned Hook was on his list, um, so we'll get caught up since Ryan Sounds gave good. us some three of them. <laughs> uh, Peter, what's your first uh, movie, on the first actual movie on your list? Yes, uh, the first movie on my list is The Terminal. Have you guys seen The Terminal before? That's the Tom Hanks stuck yes. in the airport. Yeah. Okay, so this movie, if you don't know, um, it's Tom Hanks flies to the U.S., to New York City, actually, from a uh, foreign country. I think it's like Kozovia, Korzovia, something. I'm not sure, but basically what happens is there's a terrorist situation or a war situation or something in the country that he's from. And because of this, they won't let him into the actual country of the U.S. So his passport won't give him clearance into our country, and he gets stuck in an airport terminal for months, basically. And the story is just kind of the story of this, or the movie's the story of this guy who's stuck in the terminal, and it's kind of what does he do with his time? Uh, there's a point where he runs out of money, um, and he's just eating a sandwich made out of saltines and mustard. It's really gross, but he ends up having to get jobs. He makes friends in the airport. Um, so it's it's really it's just kind of a really interesting, kind of unusual story. Like I've never seen a movie that's told a story like this. Um, anyways, he eventually um, eventually the situation in the country he's from 
ends and he's actually able to enter the U.S. Um, Are you going to ruin the whole movie for me? I, I've seen it. I'm okay. Kidding. No, I won't ruin it. But it basically <laughs> what you find out is that he was... Um, it's kind of like he was... See, I don't want to ruin it, but I want to. No, it's fine. You, okay. I've seen the so, movie. You're not... I was making a joke. Because the movie... I look, haven't, but go ahead. You haven't seen it? How about this? The movie is what? 20, maybe... Maybe about 20 no, years old. I don't think it is it that old. I thought it was like 10. 10? 10, 10, 10-ish. I feel like it's longer than 10 years old. If you, if you want to watch the If terminal, I haven't seen it by now, it's my fault. Right. So. Or or just skip ahead a couple minutes. But essentially what you find out is... Right, are you looking it up to check the year? Okay. <laughs> essentially what you find out is that uh, this man's father collected uh, autographs by jazz uh, performers. And the reason why this guy came to New York was simply to... <laughs> the reason why this guy came right. to New York was simply to complete his dad's uh, jazz autograph collection, essentially. He goes and gets the autograph, gets back in the taxi he's in, and says, I'm going home. And that's when the end credits roll. And it's such like a... Uh, when that happened, I just was hit by so much emotion of like, this is a story of what this man would do for his father who passed away... And just what, like, how much he honors his father's legacy. And it was just, it just hit me like a lot of movies doesn't. Like, this man went through hell to do this simple thing to honor his father. And it's just an awesome movie in that respect. So, wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, that's my first pick. Wow. <laughs> and that's kind of a, a deep moment, which makes it hard to follow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's fine. Um, my first pick is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nice. Now, we mentioned Temple of Doom. I said that was kind of a special place in my heart. It was the one I probably yeah. watched more than the others. The reason Raiders makes my list <laughs> and Temple of Doom did not is because I feel like Raiders was the better made film. Yes. Like in terms of story quality and in terms of filmmaking, it was the better. Ra- Raiders is on my list, too. Okay. And I, I did it. I... I listed it for the same. Do you want me to put that down as your next pick? Yeah, sure. Um, So everyone understands I'm keeping a running tally of all our lists (laughs) so we can reference back if we ever needed to revisit. So when a couple years down the road, we're like, oh, Spielberg's got more movies out now. Let's uh, let's revisit this. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, but Raiders, I put on for the same reason of just being probably a better made film, but also it's the one that started off Indiana Jones, like, Oh, it is that first the opening the opening of the movie with the cave and mm-hmm. the fertility idol that he's got to steal and the arrow traps and the rolling ball mm-hmm. and the spiders like that captured all of our imaginations. Exactly. No one had ever started a movie like that before, and you're just one like you're already cheering for this guy before anything ever happened. You don't know who he is, and you're like, "This is great. I'm in." Yeah. So, um, I also think it just like kind of redefined adventure movies just in general for like the rest of absolutely time so far you know um fun fact about that the boulder chase sequence from raiders of the lost ark apparently that originally happened in a scrooge mcduck comic like a long time ago oh that's really they got the concept for so i just think that's a fun fun little fact but uh yeah i mean this movie's great there's so many great scenes um you've got to mention the uh end scene when they finally open the uh, case that holds the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, you! When everyone's face starts yes. melting <laughs> off, and that the, the special effects when I can, I can never remember that character's name, but the special effects 
of watching the guy's face melt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, that's, that's way, like, the one guy's face, like, kind of implodes, mm-hmm. and then the other one's explodes, and then this guy's face melts. Like, that was, <laughs> the, the, the special effects that went into that, I've never fully understand how that worked. I think I watched a documentary on it yeah. at one point, and it was just amazing. I saw a video, so, I think it was something, too, where they took a skull, and then they built out of wax, like, the muscle structure, and then built, like, the uh, skin around that, out, all out of wax, so when it melts, it would just drizzle down like that, but it's so cool. Like, right. I mean, for that scene and the beginning of the movie, this movie has two of the most memorable scenes in right. movies So in I'm not, I'm not the biggest, like, I've never done, like, actual cosplay, like, gone to a Comic-Con and done cosplay okay. or anything. I just, like, when people are like, hey, we're doing a Halloween costume party, you gotta show up in a costume. I've always, like you know, tried to find something cool. Well, over the years, being a big Indiana Jones fan, I slowly have pieced together (laughs) as close to a screen-accurate Indiana Jones costume as I could. That's awesome. I have an actual Lucasfilm prop replica fedora from Indiana Jones. Like like I said, I've pieced together as best as I could. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not by any means perfect, but it looks good, right? Mm -hmm. Every time, a couple Halloweens ago, I went, I was going to work to do a thing to just to help out. It was actually my day off, but they asked me to come in to help them with this bit. And I was like, sure, I'll come in. It's no big deal. And they said, because it's Halloween and the little kids are going to come trick or treating around, we're all dressing up. So keep in mind that, you know, you should be dressed, you know, if you want to dress up, you can, no, if you don't want to, that's fine. So I showed up in my Indiana Jones costume That's great. and my boss looked like he turned to the corner and saw me and he's like, do you just have that lying around? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite costumes to pull out as a, uh, as a go-to if I don't know what to wear kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I got to go to a costume party. Sweet. I'll just break out of Indiana Jones (laughs) and just call it a day. (laughs) It's a comfortable costume. Mm -hmm. So. That's no, great. Indiana Jones for sure. Ryan, um, before yeah. we... I was going to ask if Ryan had any Indiana Jones stuff he wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. It's in... Temple of Doom, Doom was on his list, so I didn't know. Yeah. Just the childhood. Spent my whole childhood watching all the Indiana Jones movies. I haven't seen the newest one, but... Yeah, he hasn't seen Crystal Skull yet. I haven't seen Crystal Skull either, so... What? All right. Well, we might we might be doing a group watch of Crystal Skull sometime soon. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the, um... No, I Crystal Skull is the one that the general population seems to hate. Yeah. And here's what I'll say about Crystal Skull. I it's been it was like X number of years between The Last Crusade and Crystal Skull, probably I think almost 15 years. And we're getting Indiana Jones for the first time. I went into that movie expecting an Indiana Jones film. There's things about Indiana Jones. There's the adventure aspect. There's the crazy puzzle traps. There's yeah. there's always some crazy creature. There's always there's crazy some, car chases. There's, there's always there's, some kind of supernatural. There's a aspect supernatural too. aspect. There's 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 always the villain, and because it was an aged movie, they couldn't have it be Nazis, so they made it the Russians because it was the beginning of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. There's just there's an like they were really smart about a lot of the things that they did in the movie, but when I walked in. There's the tropes of Indiana Jones, and I was expecting an Indiana Jones movie. I walked out of the theater after watching an Indiana Jones movie. I was very satisfied because I watched an Indiana Jones mm-hmm. movie. The tropes of Indiana Jones, a lot of people don't understand that Raiders of the Lost Ark was meant to be a B film. 
Yeah. It wasn't meant to be like this A movie spectacle that everyone loved and adored. It was supposed to be a B movie. Steven Spielberg and his buddy George Lucas were going to go out in the desert and shoot a movie about a archaeologist that you know, goes treasure hunting. Yeah. And the only reason they were doing this is because Spielberg said that he wanted to make a James Bond movie, but he knew they weren't going to let him make a James Bond movie. Yeah. So Lucas says, well, I have an idea, and they ran with it. Like, let's go make a B movie and have some fun. Mm-hmm. And it turned into this phenomenon, right? So it's it's amazing. And because Raiders was supposed to be a B movie, look at Temple of Doom. It's a B movie. Yeah. Last Crusade was a little bit more A-list, I think. And then Crystal Skull is a B movie. Like yeah. it's it's always been what it is. Yeah. There's one sequence in uh, Crystal Skull that makes me cringe every time, <laughs> and it's the one part that I'm like, God, do they really have to do that? Like, like I said, not every movie is perfect. Everyone has mm-hmm. everything has their flaws, but this one sequence is the one that bugs me. But you know what? I let it go because I know what they were trying to do. I understand. So you know. When you guys finally get the chance to see the movie, I'll see if you guys can pick it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so sure. I think a lot of people have, uh, they keep their nostalgia glasses on, too, when they see, like, the first new entry in an old franchise, and they just can't get over uh, what they've built up, what the next movie, how good the next movie should be, what they built it up in their mind to right. be. I mean, it's never going to meet You're going from Last so. Crusade, which is seems to be the general... <laughs> collective favorite it's either last crusade or raiders seems to be the two favorites and you're going from last crusade to kingdom of the crystal skull and i think some people were just let down but Mm -hmm. you know it's i still liked it and i mean you know i mean it's there you might as well deal with it (laughs) and i mean apparently steven spielberg's working on a sequel yeah there's apparently an indiana jones 5 coming so and and will it be harrison ford's last i don't know Will it be Spielberg's last? We don't know. Will they ever recast the role? I mean, I would love to see them... I would like Indiana Jones to be treated like James Bond. Mm. And because we've had, you know, you know, you've had Daniel Craig, you've had Pierce Brosnan, you've had, you know, Roger Moore, you've had Sean Connery, you've had all these actors play James Bond. Let's treat Indiana Jones like James Bond. They can just cast right the on. guy from Solo. Oh yeah! That, hey, hey! If they want to take the guy from Solo who played Harris, who played Han Solo, let's have him play Neil Jones. I mean, that guy's got a career just walking in Harrison Ford's she- shoes if he wanted. He could be in Air Force Two as well. Air Force Two, and then they can do regarding Henry Two, and <laughs> so why not? Uh, yeah. So Raiders. Um, before I move on to my fourth pick, because Ryan, you've already told us a couple of your list choices. Did you want to say anything else on Minority Report or Hook? Uh, Hook, I mean, Steven Spielberg's just the director of my childhood. Besides Minority Report, they're all movies I grew up with. Uh, Minority Report's just a crazy ride. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I just really liked it. Alright, cool. The, I wanted to point this out before we got any farther. Spielberg directed Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List. These are probably his best movies, period, mm-hmm. but... I can only watch Schindler's List the one time. It's not something I'm going to sit down and watch. I've seen it. It's an amazing movie. I want to acknowledge the fact that that happened because I like not the not the event but the movie. Yeah. The it's such a hard sit that and it's a very emotional sit. I'm talking about movies that make me excited and I will rewatch yeah. and I love them and I I have to like I keep rewatching them and I'm getting excited and so on. So 
that's why if so I'm gonna say right now that Shimmer's list and Saving Private Ryan didn't make my list, but it's because of the subject matter, because I don't think to myself on a sun, Sunday morning and I'm like, hey, I think I'm gonna watch a movie. Oh, do I wanna watch Schindler's List? No, I'm yeah. okay with that. You know, like that's so I do think they're great films. That just I'm saying that for an audience member who might be like, You didn't pick Saving Private Ryan. Well, Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's a great film, but this is my personal I love these movies yeah, situation. Exactly. So, um I'm going to say my next pick is gonna be Jaws. Okay, awesome. I matched this one as well. You did? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, great. <laughs> um so I'm a little behind because you guys keep saying I match these. <laughs> so uh so Jaws is I love shark attack movies. <laughs> and this is like like a shark attack themed episode. It kind of is. <laughs> so tune in next week for the Meg. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I have time to see it. Um, mm. I, I might have a busy weekend on my hands, so I just hope I have time to squeeze in the Meg. Yeah. The Jaws is, for a lot of people who don't know, is the first classified summer blockbuster movie. It's the movie that defined the idea of a summer blockbuster was the first one. Mm-hmm. So that was 1975. So if you think about it, because that's the beginning of um, the summer blockbuster, for some, for like probably a large group of moviegoers, that very well could be classified as the beginning of film. It's almost like this is the second renaissance. Interesting. So, yeah. you know, like for a lot of us, movies began in film. I it, movie that was the, that was when movies really started. I know we had the older movies like Casablanca and all these great films in the past, but yeah. this really defined what movies are today. This movie is legendary for the writing that went behind it. They they were writing the script as they went. They were constantly changing things, constantly adding things. Like there's stories about Spielberg going going back to like the cabin he was renting changing the entire script, showing up to the next day with all these new pages that had to be shot or reshot, and they kept doing things. And then it's also legendary because the shark didn't work. Yes. They weren't going to shoot the shark. And I was curious if the writing came in, like if they were continuously writing the movie because of technical difficulties with this big robotic shark that they were using for the film. Oh, absolutely. It did. And there's a documentary about the making of it that I was watching where he... Because they'd go to shoot a scene and the shark wouldn't work, so they'd take a break and he'd go and retool the script and then be like, all right, well, we got a shot where we just show the fin mm-hmm. or we just show the tail going underwater. You know, we'll shoot underwater looking at the swimmers and it worked. I mean, that was that became the Spielberg trope because he wasn't showing the monster. Exactly. So, and so many other people use that. So when you go and watch like a movie called, when you go watch the movie Super 8, which is directed by J.J. Abrams, but he did it as like kind of a love letter to Spielberg. You don't get to see the monster for a very long yeah. time, which is clearly an homage to yeah. the way they did the way they worked with Jaws, and that the fact that the shark wouldn't work, you know, made a lot of the earlier the film very exciting and very mm-hmm. unnerving. And yes, it scares you to go in the water. Another so. <laughs> another actually really big aspect of that um, the this animatronic shark not working and them having to very minimally show the shark swimming around led to the complete formation of the soundtrack of this movie. Like, this is one of the first movies where they use, like, a specific sort of theme song to inspire fear in the audience. And that's just kind of a really cool thing that happened as 
kind of a happy accident because of some, like a technical difficulty, but it ends up becoming really a revolutionary horror film because of that. And that's like one of the coolest aspects of Jaws to me. So, Yeah, Ryan, did you have anything on Jaws? Or? Uh, that was my favorite movie when I was five years old. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> when you were five? Yeah. I've, I always like to tell people they need to watch this movie. It's, it's very, it's really not a scary movie. It's just kind of unnerving when you think about the water aspect. And I'll tell you, my irrational childhood fear is when you jump in a swimming pool by yourself, there's <laughs> a shark in there, mm-hmm. and you know it's not possible. But <laughs> yeah, you're in someone's like above ground swimming pool in their backyard. You're by yourself. Like, is there a shark in here? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, I saw another really random fun fact about this movie, but... And I don't think we'd have shark attack movies if this <laughs> didn't exist, so... <laughs> um, so, Stephen King's son, uh, Joe Hill, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Or yeah, he wrote uh, Lock and Key. Yes, Lock and Key, exactly. He's getting kind of known as a big uh, horror writer and comic book writer. And I'm pretty um, sure Lock and Key... Lock and Key, if you don't know, is a comic series that Joe Hill wrote mm-hmm. um, that I think is getting turned into a Netflix show. Yes. And it should be awesome if they do it right. And if they do it right, it'll be really cool. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so Ryan, Joe you should Hill, check out Lock and Key when it comes out. So Joe Hill came out and said something recently that he noticed in the movie Jaws, and it's very weird, but apparently the same summer Jaws was shot, about so many miles away on the beach washed up um, the body of a woman who was, she died or was murdered or something. And supposedly in the background of a shot of Jaws, there's a woman wearing the same outfit that was discovered. Yes, I actually saw this okay. like two days ago yes, when yeah, I was like scouring the interwebs for news for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when you're building... So for everyone who doesn't know, I build the show every week like <laughs> looking for news stories to discuss and I'll get yeah. a text from Peter and he'll be like, we should talk about this. Sweet. <laughs> I saw that article and that kind of blew my mind a yeah. little bit than thinking we're talking Spielberg movies tonight, so... So, I mean, the, the solvings of a murder mystery, could a real-life murder mystery, could be within the movie Jaws, or <laughs> right. or within the uh, witnesses who are extras or actors or right. something. So, I don't know, just a really cool piece of lore, I thought. Yeah, so, Jaws. <laughs> awesome. Um, Alright, so let me catch up here, because I've been writing all We've these We've been down. all over the place. We've been all over the place. <laughs> so, I've only given, actually, two movies... Peter's given three movies. Ryan's given me four movies. (laughs) So let me give my uh, third to catch up, and we'll see what happens. My next pick is Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Okay. Nice. Um, I'll get that one out of the way right now. Uh, The Last Crusade, we've talked about Indiana Jones kind of agnosium tonight, Mm -hmm. so I don't know what else there is to say about it, but I truly believe with The Last Crusade, this was the strongest of the stories. Okay. You know, not mm-hmm. just the search for the Holy Grail, but the story of Indiana Jones with his father, going on the adventure with his father he barely knew, and you get to see a flashback with young Indiana Jones for his first adventure, how Harrison Ford got the scar on his chin. Um, oh, yeah. We named the dog Indiana. Yeah, like the, the, the origin <laughs> of his name, like all like all this stuff. It was I think it was the strongest of the stories. That's probably the one I've seen the most. It's the I could quote that movie. If I were to watch it with you guys, it'd be hard for me not to talk along with the movie and quote everything. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, to throw back to a couple weeks ago, that movie also has an awesome chase scene in it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that has the whole tank fight. It does. That's it, the tank yeah. fight. Which is 
awesome, and I don't know why none of us mentioned it, but it's a great it, scene. It is so. a great scene. There's a sequence in the tank fight that I that always bothered me because there's a physical impossibility, okay. and I'll, I'll I'll point it out, and then you're gonna see it and go, oh crap, I I now see that, and then I can't watch <laughs> that movie the same way. So he falls down the side of the tank. I think I always noticed. And as a his kid. his satchel, the strap of his satchel, gets hooked on the tank's gun. <laughs> it's the, the the side gun that sticks out of the side of the tank. And he's hanging there, and he can't get up, which is okay. Fine, that creates intensity. And he's kind of gonna hit a rock. Now, why the tank skews away from the rock is irrelevant. That's part of the scene. I don't want to mm-hmm. ruin it if you've never seen it. But the gun was. The end of the gun was opened because of an explosion from a rock being lodged. Yeah. So, one, how did he get the satchel strap hooked on the gun? <laughs> okay. But then later when he climbs up, you don't see him, like, un- get oh, okay. out of the thing. He just climbs back up on the tank. And I'm like, how'd you do that? <laughs> um, Interesting. Whatever. You let it go because it's exciting. It's awesome. But yeah, I caught that when I was, like, maybe 10 I, that has always bothered me. <laughs> so <laughs> Nice. So, yeah, no, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, it's a great movie. Um, but, yeah, I think of the Indiana Jones films, it's the best story. So, and it's the one that really, like, you know, you know, stuck and struck home with me more than the rest. So. Okay, nice. All right, Sweet. so moving on to, we're down to, Peter and I, you are down to two picks, and Ryan's yes. got one left. So. Ryan's talked about almost every one of them with us, so we're going to move on. We'll just go right to your second one. That'll put us all in an even pairing. So Me? Okay. Yeah, fire away. So, maybe this will be Ryan's one, too. No, I'm not sure. Uh, sorry, I, got, I actually just got lost. Okay, so my next pick is Jurassic Park. Yes. yes is it? Okay. Yes. All right. That puts... All right. So Ryan's list is done, <laughs> but guess what? It's awesome that we all picked this. <laughs> Because I picked it too, and that okay. was the next one I was going to talk Great. about. So fire away, man. Let's talk Jurassic Park. So yeah, this movie is um, awesome. Uh, I think it was uh, last week epi- week's episode or the week before, Drew mentioned Superman the movie as being the movie that make will make you believe a man can fly. Jurassic Park's like the movie that will make you believe di- dinosaurs are real. Like <laughs> nobody's ever seen special effects this good for like this animal that's existed so long ago being presented in such a realistic way. The CG in it still holds up today. The CG like it's, not only does it hold up, it I think like towers over most CG today. Yeah. Like and a big piece of that is they didn't rely like they used the CG to enhance the movie but they didn't rely on it so a lot of a lot more of it was practical effects than you'd think like a lot of the close up shots they used puppets and weird suits for the raptors and stuff and uh, it just makes it way more realistic so right. cuz this was the movie that made George Lucas realize that it was time to do the prequels. Exactly. Because, like, computers have evolved and I can now do the prequel films. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, for sure. Um, and then not to mention, I just think all the characters in this movie are really awesome. Like, you've got Alan Grant, you've got Ian Malcolm. Like, there's a reason why people are still excited about Jeff Goldblum being in the newest Jurassic World movie, you know? Like, there's so many lovable characters and the way they interact is so amusing. Um as, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what, what was that character? Dennis name? Nedry. Yeah, yes, uh, Nedry is one of my favorite characters just from an entertainment perspective. I think like yeah. he's just so amusing the whole movie. So the uh, Jurassic Park is the first movie 
that I was allowed to go see with my friends by ourselves. <laughs> okay. It was nice. the it was the I'm gonna drop you off at the movie theater with your friends. I'll pick you up when the movie's done. Movie. Mm-hmm. And so that I guess there was a little bit of an independence aspect to it, but that was the first one I got to kind of go see on my own, which yeah. was awesome. I asked mom once if she remembered the very first movie I ever saw. She does not. <laughs> nice. <laughs> which I was kind of disappointed, but <laughs> no, the uh, this movie, just from a film from a filmmaking standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, it's amazing, but. And it was the first time I think I watched a movie and then immediately picked up the novel and started reading the novel. Because I didn't read the book before I saw the movie. Yeah. So I went back and read the book and I remembered loving it. Now, Jurassic World was coming out uh, a couple years ago when when they did this new Jurassic Park resurgence, the first Jurassic World movie. I decided to go back and reread the original novel because I was thinking I was 13 when Jurassic Park came (laughs) out. So I probably didn't understand a lot of it. You know what? I'm an adult now. I'm going to go back and reread this book. Not only did I understand it as an adult, but the movie is not good in comparison to the book. <laughs> <laughs> and I know people are like, well, the books are always better. Well, mm-hmm. sure, but at, you know, when you look at it for what it was, like that the movie's amazing, but that book, like the subject matter that was really behind there, like they're not actual dinosaurs. And that's mm-hmm. something that people don't think of. They're actual yeah. genetic creations they're they're not real mm-hmm. so they're just creatures that were created in a laboratory they like, guessed they was all guesswork creating these things so. i like that too because there's so much that uh we've learned so much about dinosaurs even since jurassic park came out like a lot of these creatures actually were feathered and there's more evidence to suggest that but because the monsters in jurassic park are clones that have been genetically altered of course, they, they might look different. They might be right. all scaled as a right, and they they it fills it's, in the DNA gaps with frogs DNA yeah. and stuff. Like I said, it's a cool guessed. it's a cool loophole to justify like why it may or may not be right. wrong. And then you go into one. so I'm 13. I'm going to see Jurassic Park, and I'm like, oh, it's a T Rex and it's a Triceratops, and there's a pterodactyl, and you're seeing all these dinosaurs. And then now, if I go to the museum and I look at dinosaurs, yeah, it looks like a T Rex, <laughs> but apparently it's not. It's got some other name. I don't know any of the dinosaurs' names anymore because we've had so much scientific discovery about dinosaurs true, since yeah. Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. It's made people rethink everything. <laughs> so. yeah. Fair enough. Dodson. We got Dodson here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, yeah, it's such a great movie. Um, did anyone have anything else on Jurassic Park, Ryan? Anything? I mean, we could be talking for hours uh, on Jurassic Park. Great, but. great soundtrack as well. Really oh. iconic well, music. A, yeah, and John Williams just kind of follows, you know, Steven Spielberg exactly. and just scores all his movies because John Williams not only just scored all the Indiana Jones films, he scored uh, Minority Report, he did Hook, he did Jaws, he did Jurassic Park. So, mm-hmm. you know, like almost every movie we've talked about has been a John Williams, aside from The Terminal... <laughs> Actually, maybe John Williams did do the terminal. I'd <laughs> yeah, have to I'm look not, that. I'm I'd have to look that sure. one up. But yeah. I think John Williams has scored every movie we've talked about tonight so far. Right. So. Cool. Oh, John Williams, by the way, is my favorite composer of all times. I have like I listen to John Williams constantly in the car. Like, yeah. So he's definitely up there. He's. Uh, I feel like everything he every score he writes is just iconic. Like you think of an iconic film soundtrack, it's like almost always John Williams. I think just his music sticks with you, and uh, I know Danny Elfman is kind of 
the other uh, composer that people hold to the same bar, but I still just think John Williams' music gets stuck in your head more, and it will stick with you for years and years um, in a way that a lot of composers don't. So yeah, maybe we'll do a composer list at some That'd point cool. if you could if you could do it. I don't know, like I I, c- I could, but it's probably going to be the most top, the top five most popular movie soundtrack guys. But I could probably do. <laughs> that's it. fair. Yeah. I like there's like I'll hear a soundtrack in a movie, and I'll be like, that was a good score, and I'll just mm-hmm. go buy the soundtrack. Yeah, the um. John Williams is one that I always jump on. Like I'm really because he's doing he's doing one he's doing the next Star Wars movie and then he's done. Yeah, like he said, this is my last Star Wars movie. Awesome, mm-hmm. but he did it. He did one track for Solo. Yeah. So you know, but um, with composers, like I know I could go and do a composers list. Yeah. But a lot of people, when I talk to them about film composers, they don't listen to soundtracks the way I do, so they don't for know sure. a lot of the names, and I get that. That's okay. Yeah. So. Um. So since we all talked about Jurassic Park, we got you and I each have one more pick left. Ryan's okay. tapped out. Ryan's list was Jurassic Park, Jaws, Temple of Doom, Minority Report, and Hook. So <laughs> nice. Uh, what's your last pick? Uh, my last one, I actually put Ready Player One down. Oh, nice. So, um, th- we've talked about this movie a lot on the podcast, and I think what really makes me put it down as my last favorite Spiel- Steven Spielberg directed film is the fact that just kind of how I feel while watching the movie. I just feel like I'm jumping into this big, warm, fuzzy pool of nostalgia. I feel like I'm watching the movie with all my favorite things in it. It's just like a really cool feeling as well as just really liking the story. So I don't know if there's too much more to say about it that we haven't said already, but that's why it's on the list. I feel like this is a newer movie from Steven Spielberg that I feel like I'm just going to keep rewatching again and again, and that's kind of why it so made with the list. Is that being favorite. said, Ready Player One was my last pick for the night as well. <laughs> nice. I cannot. I we've talked about it a lot. Yeah. And I cannot stress how amazing this movie is to me. And since we've talked last week, I watched it two more times. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's such a good movie and I went through one time just to, I, and I said to myself, I'm going to go through this movie and I'm going to watch it and they're going to go big, like the big sequences where you have like big grand vistas and there's lots of things on the screen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pause and see all the references that just float past you in the blink of an eye, right? Mm-hmm. And then I found myself not pausing and I just watched the movie as a whole and then right. I actually went through and tried to pause and I'm like god I love this scene but I didn't want to pause because I like the scene so much yeah uh, but Hello Kitty's in the movie I spotted that this time <laughs> I, I saw I Hello Kitty and then there's too. the uh, there's a Halo Elite in the movie mm-hmm. I saw Spawn oh um, nice uh, there's two shot. there's two different shots of a Batgirl in the scene mm-hmm. in the scene where you mentioned Spawn if you look Batgirl's right next to her yes him, exactly you didn't know that. I think I think there's it. it's either in that shot or another one but I think there's a gremlin in that same spot too I don't know nah, if you've seen I, any gremlins in there but I, you would think with Spielberg there would be because Spielberg directed gremlins fun, funny so, um, funny kind of little story is uh Apparently, I read somewhere online that Steven Spielberg didn't know the gremlins were going to be in there at all, and then some of the special effects guys threw it in, and he spot, spotted it, and he's like, oh, that's awesome. Right. So, well, like, H's Garage, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of vehicles in there from pop culture. Yeah, they um, even have uh, the ship from Cowboy Bebop in the, the background, The ship from Cowboy crazy, Bebop's yeah. in there, Ferris Bueller's car's in there, the <laughs> Winnebago from Spaceballs. Yeah. There's a shot for you Firefly fans. Later in the movie, yes. you, see, you see the Serenity. Like, they... That I, was just an awesome Spielberg basically said, I'm not doing this unless I get all the toys. And it's it's such a good movie. But 
Forget the movie. Forget the pop culture stuff. If you take all that out, it is such a good story. Mm-hmm. And it's almost it's almost this really like it's really this really touching, heartwarming Steve Jobs story too. Mm-hmm. It's about a guy who just took his childhood and created a world that the world embraced. Yeah, and we all love. And it, I really hope one day we get a game like that because. Oh yeah, I, mean, I would totally. It would. I'd get home from work and just jump in the oasis. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that, all, that'd, that'd be what I do. I think like. it would actually cause problems, but yeah, we it all, would we cause we massive all problems. But there, we yeah. all want to go to the oasis for sure. So, so, so yeah, we, so that's it for this week. Steven Spielberg directed <laughs> movies, and I had a feeling. I knew Ready Player One was going to make my list when I said that. I'm like, I've been watching it way too much. It's too good. And, yeah. Uh, so I was really kind of surprised that it. Yeah, and we both held it to the end. So, mm-hmm. Ryan, you still have to see that movie. <laughs> Is he nods silently? Yeah. All right, Peter, your pick for next week, man. What are we doing? Okay, so I'll get there, but this has a bit of an intro. Uh, talking about Power Rangers earlier. Um, okay. They just announced they're doing a follow up to Power. There's Rangers only five now. colors. If that's what we're going for. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not. That'd be funny though. Uh, so Power Rangers has actually been kind of uh, popping up a lot on my little personal echo chamber or whatever you want to call it uh because they've announced this movie um next weekend there's also the biggest power ranger convention is going on in the country it's called power morphicon it's in uh california i'm not going i'm not i'm not nearly a big enough fan to maybe fit in as well there as other people are but i really enjoy uh the mighty Morphin power rangers series especially also i found out later this month that uh, the end of August will be the 25th anniversary of Power Rangers. So I'm really confused the where you're going with this. <laughs> it's okay. I'll get there. Um, so anyways, basically I've been seeing a lot of Power Rangers stuff. I've been thinking a lot about it and how it's just kind of cool that Power Rangers, A, was kind of a gateway for a lot of kids to get into uh, kaiju movies like Godzilla, etc., giant okay. monster movies, but also giant robots fighting kaiju. So it's like you're... For people my age, it was kind of just like our window into this giant robot world. So I thought it would be fun to do our top five favorite giant robots in entertainment. Giant robots? Yes, giant robots. So it has to be robots? Yes. Ooh, that's interesting. How big is giant? I was thinking about this. I I guess I would want it to be at least twice as tall as a person. Like I feel like Exo Squad size robots and bigger would be the best way to go about it. All right, and I'm allowed Um, to choose... All right. Um, so I thought this would be a fun list because we could. Ryan's go. got this blank look on his face, going, "Holy cow! I so, don't know any big robots." So, so I thought this would be a fun list too because it could be expanding all sorts of media. We could do stuff from movies, comics, anime, video games, cartoons. This like, let like your mind run wild. Let's bring yeah. some giant robots in and this talk is, about this what is they a mean really to us. Broad so. Topic? Why not? That's, yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, I have, I have no problem doing giant robots. So. Sweet. So that's my list. All right. So uh, next week we'll be doing uh, top five giant robots. I didn't think you were going to go there. <laughs> I thought you were going to hit me with monster films or whatever. So Oh, there will be a time for that as well. No, but Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just to close things out, just to let everybody know, we are at episode five. That was my goal to have the website launched. Um, per the people helping us put the website together, it looks like we'll have this thing fully launched. So this will be the first episode that will actually air live. 
that's my plan. Hopefully, I mean, if there's a hiccup, we could be going one more episode before it's officially launched. But we're like right there on the cusp of getting this all out. So if you want, you can go to the top5report.com. That's where we'll have everything posted. And then we're going to slowly move. Well, not slowly. It'll be the timetable of waiting on you know iTunes because I guess there's a, an acceptance period where we have to submit and then they have to review our stuff first before it gets posted. So I found that out. So uh, right now, top5report.com. That's where we're going to have everything for right now. We'll have it available to stream and download and then uh, we'll go to iTunes and then after once we get on iTunes because I think that's the biggest market. That's why I'm doing them first. You know, We'll hit AppleCast. I think AppleCast and iTunes are the same thing. I don't entirely know. I assume if it's okay. on iTunes, it'll be on Applecast because it's the same company. Right. So after that, I'll hit Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. We'll just go down the lines. I think, that, honestly, I think that's it in terms of podcast entertainment. <laughs> we'll see how we can get this going. So yeah. So for right now, top5report.com, that's us. If you go to the website right now, it's going to kind of look goofy because we have some demo content up there, but that's going to slowly <laughs> disappear this week as things go. And then... And then be sure to spell out five when you go to the yeah, website. Yeah, so it's top five as in the word, not the number, mm. report.com. If you want to follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram, it is Drew3927. When we get the website launched, we will have a Twitter for the podcast. We'll do a Facebook link and we will... I just didn't want to launch it all until it was good to go. Um, and then we'll have an email for you guys to if you want to write in and joining the show uh peter do they want to follow you anywhere um yeah uh just uh look me up on uh twitter at ninja pierre i've got links to my instagram and a uh, web comic that i do there and um i just want to say i'm glad we made it through episode five and nobody's hands were cut off nobody's hands were cut yeah. off empire strikes back oh episode right five. yeah <laughs> sorry bad joke no no that's not a bad joke it's the i didn't get there fast enough joke <laughs> anyway so for the top five report uh i'm drew i'm peter good night good night guys